what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code TODINEFOR to get free shipping. You're listening to To Dine For, the podcast. I'm your host, Kate Sullivan. On today's episode is a man that reimagined coffee drinking around the world and built one of the most iconic global brands, Howard Schultz of Starbucks. I started to cry. Wow. I was embarrassed, and I think at that moment, I was prepared to walk away. Today, we are heading to his favorite restaurant in Seattle and hearing how it all began, the struggles and the heartache. From the many challenges of just getting started to then crafting a world-class brand, it is one of the greatest business stories of our time, and Howard shares it at Seattle restaurant Mom Noon. Today I'm in Seattle in the Capitol Hill neighborhood on my way to interview one of the world's most iconic CEOs, Howard Schultz. He's taking me to his favorite restaurant called Mom Noon, a Middle Eastern restaurant known for flavors so good they'll make you cry. Hi, Howard. How are you? Nice to meet you. Kate Sullivan. So nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're this. welcome. Thanks really for coming from Chicago. This is wonderful. Mom Noon Restaurant is owned by a Syrian and Lebanese couple with no prior restaurant experience. Their passion for Middle Eastern cuisine has set the Seattle restaurant scene ablaze with their delicious flavors and unbeatable hospitality. So of all the restaurants in Seattle, you chose Mom Noon. Why? Yeah. Well, first off, there is a, uh, an explosion of fantastic food in Seattle, so we have lots of choices. But I love this restaurant. Uh, in their ability to bring Middle Eastern food to Seattle. So Zagat said that the flavors are so good it will make you cry. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> so you gotta, I, I said, Howard, wow. Don't cry. Yeah, but, I won't, no, no tears. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to trying So you it. start. Today we are eating poached chicken salad, a red lentil soup, and a meze platter with hummus, baba ganoush, and muhammara, which is a walnut and pepper paste, as well as shamander bee tahini, grated beets with yogurt. 
Oh my gosh. He comes here a lot. He's a regular here. My wife Sherry and I eat here quite often. It is no coincidence that the very restaurant Howard Schultz chose as his favorite is a place where the owners, with passion and determination, created something out of nothing. You'll find Howard's story is a similar one. I think you gotta, you got to come in here with both curiosity and trust because uh, many of the things on the menu, not only have you never had before, but you probably can't pronounce. So you have to trust the, the chef and the waiter to guide you through. Mamnoon's rich and delicious Middle Eastern flavors are second only to the warmth and hospitality you feel when you walk in the door. One thing that drew me to this restaurant was the warmth that I feel from Rasha and Wasef, the owners. The hospitality here is truly remarkable. Yeah, there's, there's something in the air about Seattle service. Mm -hmm. And I've often thought that if Starbucks started anywhere else but Seattle, we wouldn't be the company we are today. 30 years ago, a young man with a passion to change the coffee drinking experience in America purchased a local Seattle chain he worked for called Starbucks. Since that day in 1987, Howard Schultz has transformed Starbucks into one of the world's most recognizable brands. Today, there are more than 28,000 Starbucks locations in 75 countries around the world. It seems no matter where you travel, people are carrying that trademark white and green cup. You're from Brooklyn, yes. blue collar neighborhood. Mm -hmm. What was that like growing up in Canarsie and, right. and what, how did that shape who you are? Well, you know, I grew up in the projects in federally subsidized housing. My brother and sister and I in one room and my parents in the other. A lot of good came out of that environment, a deep sense of community, uh, learning to get along with people in a single elevator building with 100 apartments. Um, that ought to be interesting, right? Yeah, but, you know, I think that it, there's many people who know my personal story. When I was seven, my father... Uh, had a just an awful he had a series of awful blue-collar jobs after he came back from World War II and um, This particular job was he was a truck driver delivering and picking up cloth diapers and uh, in uh, the winter of 1960 he fell on a sheet of ice uh, on the job and broke his hip and ankle and in those days if you were a blue-collar worker uneducated and you had an accident, you would basically dismissed. And uh, with no workman's compensation and no health insurance. Is that what happened to him? Yeah, it's exactly what happened. And I came home from school one day and he was sprawled on a couch in a cast from his hip to his ankle. And from that day on, uh, you know, I witnessed literally the fracturing of the American dream. So is that why all of your employees have health insurance or have access to health yeah. insurance? So 25 wow. years before the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. first company in America to provide comprehensive health insurance to everyone, including part-timers. In the last two years, free college tuition for everyone who works at Starbucks, including part-time people. But all these things, I think, are part of uh, a strong belief I have in that the role and responsibility of a public company today needs to change where the responsibility has to be on the company to do more for its employees, more for the communities we serve, um, and achieving this balance between profit and social impacts. Mm. Oh, is this the famous lentil soup? The Shurabat Adas with coriander oil and cilantro. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So if you can take me back to your first trip to Milan yeah. and to the experience that you had in Italy watching Italians who have a love affair with their coffee, right. what about that trip made you realize that that could happen here in America? As a young kid, uh, my first trip to Italy and I was an employee of Starbucks and they had three stores at the time. And I was sent to a trade show in Milan. Oh, that's good. Delicious. Yeah. Uh, and as I was going to the trade show every morning, uh, I was walking by uh, almost every 30, 40, 50 yards another coffee bar in Milan. There's like almost 2,000 coffee bars in the city of Milan alone. Thousands of coffee bars exist in the city of Milan. It is a hallmark of Italian life to sit drink a morning espresso and relax and soak in the scenery. I was really swept away uh, but by the theater and the romance of the beverage mm. and the sense of community that existed. And immediately I started thinking about Starbucks uh, in the stores that we had was not in the beverage business. We only sold coffee for home use. There was no cafe latte, there was no cappuccino, there was no brewed coffee. It was just beans. Just beans. So I, I raced back with uh, incredible enthusiasm and passion and uh, my entrepreneurial zeal, but they just didn't think this was the direction Starbucks should go in. Right. And it frustrated <laughs> me, as you might imagine. And so I actually ended up leaving the company uh, and I formed my own Italian coffee bar business. Uh, Il Giornale? Uh, yeah, Il Giornale, we opened up. And at, at the same time, uh, Starbucks got into financial trouble. And the financial trouble was the previous year, Starbucks had acquired Pete's Coffee. Very few people know that Starbucks and Pete's were once Which one. still exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the founder came to me and said, we're not going to be able to maintain both brands. And I want to move to San Francisco and keep Pete's. So and he I, chose Pete's, not Starbucks? Yes. Okay. And um, I think given your passion for Starbucks, you would be the right steward for the company. So that was great news. Mm. The problem is I had no money. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had about a 90-day uh, exclusive period to raise about $4 million. It's how Howard raised the money that is so fascinating. Like any great business story, getting off the ground is the story. And the most difficult part. The early days were pivotal. But it's flipping the script on difficult times that is a common theme in the story of Howard Schultz. I'm really struck by when you were first trying to raise money for Il Giornale. Yeah. How many investors, bankers you went to who denied you. Uh, it everyone, was more than 200, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so 242 people turned me down. 242. 42. It's interesting because Seattle's still a small city, and I, I know these people. I see them, and they, they, they deny the fact that they ever had a meeting with me. <laughs> and said no to you. Yeah. Uh, but I guess my question is, after the 50th time, after yeah. the 100th no, what yeah. keeps you going? I mean, you've got to be almost, have blinders on to realize this, you've really got to believe. There was never a point where I was willing to give up. There were certainly points of, of concern and 
you know, I was so beaten down yeah. by the process, but I believed so much in what we were trying to do. But there was a moment in 1986 when my wife Sherry was pregnant with our son, uh, which was a defining moment. Sherry's parents came to visit us. Uh, Sherry was working, um, in, and it was her eighth month of pregnancy, still working. And I had no salary. Her father, who I loved dearly, said, let's take a walk. <laughs> and um, we sat down literally on a park bench, and he said to me, Sherry's eight months pregnant. She's still working. She's bringing in a salary. And the way I look at things, you, you have a hobby, not a job. And I started to cry. Wow. I was embarrassed. And I think at that moment, I was prepared to walk away. However, that night, uh, as her parents went to bed, I said, I gotta tell you something. Uh, and I repeated the story. And, she, and Sherry got so upset. Uh, and not upset at her father because she knew what her father was trying to do. But at that moment, if she would have said to me, listen, I." It's something I've been thinking about as well. But I'm she, worried too. She went yeah. completely the opposite way she and did. said, we're going to get through this. Mm. You're going to raise the money. Uh, we're not going to look back. That's support. Yeah. That's truly and, supportive. you know, 35 years later, uh, with two kids, two grandkids, and uh, that story and another story about Bill Gates Sr. saved, saved Starbucks. That's another story. I'm happy to tell. I'm, I want to hear it. <laughs> Talk about a cliffhanger. We'll have more from our delicious meal in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. So I mentioned that I had a 90-day period to raise $3.8 million to acquire Starbucks in 1987. So the founder, who I had a great relationship with, uh, came to me in, in like two months in to the three-month period and said, Howard, I got a problem. I, I, the problem is, and I want to be honest with you, is I have an unsolicited offer, uh, and they're ready to close. 
and I and I said, but you, I thought I had an exclusive. What are you talking about? So someone else is ready to buy Starbucks. Yeah, and I said it's it's impossible. I mean, no one knows. We didn't tell anybody. Right. I said, who is it? And he said, it's one of your existing Ildranali shareholders. And I, I was I was crushed for a number of reasons. One, that somebody would undermine me like this. Right. Two, I was not raising the money in a period that was gonna give me the opportunity of my lifetime. And here I was about to lose everything. Yeah. And Jerry said, uh, if you can't raise the money, I'm gonna sell it to him. Beyond, I can't even describe to you the emotional the fracturing of emotion and trust and just what I went through in the days that would follow. And one of my friends was a young attorney. I just confessed to him what was happening. And he said, you, you, you've got to come in tomorrow morning and see our senior partner. And I said, Who, what's his name? And he said, Bill Gates Sr. Uh, and Bill Gates Sr. was like, you know, the most prominent leading uh, attorney of his time. So I went to see Bill Gates Sr. I tell him the entire story. He takes it all in, he's thinking, and he says, uh, Howard, we're gonna take a walk, you and I. And I said, where are we going? And he said, we're gonna go see the man. You were going to see the man who was going to, to offer the money to buy Starbucks. To steal the company. Wow. Yeah, we're going to see the man who's trying to steal your dream. And within 10 minutes, we are walking into the office of one of the titans of Seattle, Bill Gates Sr. and I. And I don't think I said one word for the next 15 minutes. All I remember is Bill Gates Sr. saying to him, you should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely ashamed of yourself. This is not going to happen. Howard's going to buy the company. You're going to stand down. We're going to walk out of this office, and it's over. Wow. You understand? And that's what happened? That's what happened. And as we're walking out, he says, and I'm going to help you raise the money, and I'm going to invest. You owe a lot to Bill Gates oh, Sr. If it wasn't for Bill Gates Sr., mm there would be no Starbucks. Wow, wow. And if it wasn't for Sherry Schultz, there'd be no Starbucks. And if there wasn't for Howard Schultz, there would be no Starbucks. Wow, that's, so, I, which I'm is tertiary true. in the story, actually. <laughs> you are tertiary. In 2000, Howard stepped down as CEO of Starbucks after growing the once regional coffee chain into an international powerhouse. But eight years later, the massive growth had created many problems. In 2008, Howard returned to the helm as CEO to get Starbucks back on track and, quote, right the ship. In 2008, you stepped back into the role of CEO because yeah. you felt like Starbucks had sort of lost its soul. Yes. Why did you come back as CEO? I never planned on coming back. I came back because of love and responsibility. Love of the company, love of the people, and, and the responsibility that goes with it. And even though I wasn't the CEO, I felt I was still culpable. And all I but asked... But what had happened? Has, had, had you um, simply grown too fast, too quickly? I think what happened is that, that 
a disease at the time set in at Starbucks, which was hubris. Every company must have a core purpose and reason for being. And, and once you understand what your core purpose and reason for being is, and you push for innovation and self-improvement in that core purpose, you're only going to get better. But when you start deviating away from that and start believing you can do many, many things, and I think Starbucks uh, allowed that and the growth of the company to become a strategy as opposed to an outcome. You shut down stores to retrain baristas after you took over as yeah. CEO the yes. second time. Why did you do that? I'm sure you lost an incredible amount of money doing it, but it was important to you. Well, the admission of having to close the stores was um, literally retraining people on the fact that we had to elevate the quality of our coffee because we were, uh, we were doing things for efficiency and profit and yield, mm -hmm. and, um, and I recognized it, and it wasn't who we were. And uh, so when we, when we announced the fact that we were closing stores for retraining, uh, people thought I was crazy. You know, all the labor costs. Um, but it was honest and it was truthful and it served as a galvanizing moment inside the company that I was being very honest with them and the marketplace. You care deeply, not only about the company, but the way it fits into the world. Well, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I love America, I'm con I am a concerned citizen about the direction of the country, our standing around the world. Um, and it's those opportunities when you, know, you don't do everything just right and how you come around to save that customer and make their experience great even though it wasn't necessarily perfect uh, is what distinguishes us from a lot of other places. What's it been like for you personally? This whole street has become kind of food alley, but didn't exist until we really opened the roastery. Oh, really? No. And so how did you choose this location? Uh, well, first off, it's on Pike Street. Okay. <laughs> Had and, to have a Pike Street address, right? And I just said, you know, this is like destiny. Right. Our first store, Pike Place, it's on Pike Street. Let me begin by saying that if you want to be a retailer today, there has to be a moment when people walk into the store and there is a real wow. Wow. Like, and, and people are stopped in their tracks, their eyes light up, and it's just like, holy, <laughs> what is going on here? The Starbucks Roastery in Seattle is the first of its kind in the world. As you walk through the doors, you're immediately hit with the aroma of fresh brewing coffee and the energy of a building designed not simply to make great coffee, but to create an experience. How many cups of coffee do you have a day? I, I have about four to five cups of coffee a day, but no more caffeine after 4 p.m. Okay, and what is your Starbucks order? It, it depends on the time of the day, but in the morning, a doppio espresso macchiato. Okay. And then I switch the rest of the day to a French press of aged Sumatra. That's what I want. I want a cup yeah. of aged Sumatra. Can I get that, Howard? Yeah, you can. Before I get that cup of aged Sumatra, Howard wants to show me some of the new items you can only get at the roastery. Hi. Can, can we start out? Good, how are you? With a whiskey barrel. Of course. Yeah, that's how I want to start. 
this is, this is gonna, if you like that salad and that soup. Yes, I loved it. It was you're amazing. You're gonna die right now. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. telling you, I'm not even gonna say a word. You, you tell okay, me. So it's an iced coffee. Yeah, you tell me if you've ever had anything like this in your life. Whiskey barrel. Age. You're gonna remember this moment. Yes, I am. Cheers, Howard. Okay. Thank you for taking the time yeah, to do this, and thank you for being on to dine for us. Appreciate it. There's no alcohol in that. There's no alcohol. This How tastes is like alcohol. How is that? It's delicious. It's smooth. It's so smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Did you buy that every day? Did you drink this every day? I would drink it at seven o'clock at happy hour. This is. There's no alcohol. It's obvious Howard is still in love with the coffee drinking experience. His years of commitment to a brand that is known around the world is second only to a bigger purpose and vision he hopes translates to his employees and customers. Can you now do one more thing? Of course. Make a French press of aged Sumatra. Can you do that? I have to try the aged Sumatra. So every management team meeting we have, which is once a week, and every board of directors meeting which we have, which is once a quarter, I think about two empty chairs in the room. One occupied by a Starbucks person, and one occupied by a customer. In every one of these meetings, for almost 40 years, I've asked myself, is this decision gonna make our customers and our people proud? And that is what has guided me. And, and what I've learned over many years is that not every business decision is an economic one. That there's so many decisions that you have to make to make a deposit in the brand, in the culture, in the value that is not economic. It doesn't show up on the income statement or the balance sheet, but does show up over the long term of building an enduring great company. Like healthcare, like hiring veterans, like yes. hiring refugees. Yes. These are some of the things that you yeah. have put into practice that uh, have nothing to do with finances. And have nothing to do with our core business. To say it another way, we are a financially driven business in terms of our success. However, it's financially driven through the lens of humanity. That is our business. Cheers to that. Cheers to that, Howard. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for this wonderful interview. Thank you very much. It's been really lovely to Thanks sit for being such a good sport and tasting everything. Everything is delicious. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.